chapter 1. The title of tonight's message is, The Holy Spirit, Don't Leave Home Without Him. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11, it says, But God has revealed to us by His Spirit, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now just think about how long that you have been a Christian and just think how many times that verse that I just read has come true in your life. Where God has revealed to you things from Him to you that you didn't know. Our prayer, of course, is tonight that He'll do the same thing again through the power of His Holy Spirit. That's the anticipation we have whenever we come together to hear God's Word. That He'll open up the Scriptures to us that we would see wonderful things, wonderful truths from His Word that might meet us right where we are. How many times have we been going through something and we find comfort in the Word of God? You know, that He speaks to us through the good and the bad times. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, we see the mention of the Spirit right away, right at the beginning. And we see the plurality of God, Elohim. And a little later on in chapter 1, it says, Let us make man in our image. And throughout the Scriptures, both the Old and the New Testament, we see the, tri the uh, Trinity, the triune nature of God. What the Holy Spirit is not is definitely He is not an impersonal force. He is a person in the Trinity. He is God. That mystery of three people in one God. Tonight in the time that we have, we're just going to go through some of the passages in the Acts of the Apostles to see some of the things that the Scriptures speak about about the Holy Spirit. And I challenge you to, if you're looking to do a study, if you're looking to find something you want to investigate in the Scriptures, try to find out throughout the Scriptures where the Holy Spirit is. So let's, uh, we're going to look at chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. And we see right there in verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments. Notice how Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, okay, had given commandments to the apostles. Those guys that were following him, that were committed to him. And one of the things I want us to see tonight is the same way that the Holy Spirit reached out to the apostles, 
He's reaching out to you and to me. There's nothing different between us and the people in the New and the Old Testament that God used. If you go down to verse 4, and it says, And being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard from Me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And if you can remember in the Gospels, one of the things that John said that John the Baptist said, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me that will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit? Who submerges us in the Spirit? It's none other than Jesus, okay, who gives us his Holy Spirit. The thing I like also about verse 4, they were assembled together, okay, and they were told not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Jesus spoke about that promise, that he was going to send a helper, a comforter. How many times have you been comforted by God? That was his Holy Spirit. You just being here tonight is evidence that the Holy Spirit is hopefully in you, but if not in you, he's led you here so that you would hear about Jesus. He always points to Jesus, the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is working right here. And I'm looking at how many of you that the Holy Spirit has brought you here tonight to hear His Word. That's awesome. That's exciting to know that the Holy Spirit is active and alive just like He was back in the New and the Old Testament times. Verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now that's something right now. Do you feel powerless as a child of God? Do you feel like you're lacking something in your walk with the Lord? Well, it says here, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit being actively in your lives and giving you that power is the very next verse. You shall be witnesses to me. And where are you going to be witnesses to him? I'm going to paraphrase the next part. In your home and neighborhood. To the extending areas around your home and neighborhood. And even to the ends of the earth. For the people that Jesus was speaking to, Jerusalem was their home. Judea and Samaria were the surrounding regions. And of course the other parts of the world that some of them went to and spread the gospel. But notice what the powering, the empowering of the Holy Spirit is. It's to be a witness of Jesus Christ. If we hop over to verse 16 of chapter 1. Men and brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Now notice the Holy Spirit spoke. It's not an impersonal force, right? An impersonal force doesn't speak. Only a person speaks. You know, some religions say that the Holy Spirit is really just a force. It's not a person. So right away... They're attacking what? 
the Trinity, to the divine nature of the Godhead. Here we see in verse 16, the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David. The Holy Spirit speaks through you. The Holy Spirit speaks through me. And the Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus Christ. That's how you know if it's of God or not. Is it pointing to Jesus Christ? Over in chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice there's a filling. There's a filling of the Holy Spirit. And in this case, with the apostles, they began to speak in other tongues. And if you went on to read more, there were different nationalities here. And they all heard in their language what the apostles were saying in other tongues. It wasn't confusion. It wasn't craziness. There was order. There was structure. Our God is not a God of confusion. Okay, let's go to Acts uh, 2.16. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. You know, there's a scriptural answer for any experience. And if it's not in the scriptures, don't trust it. In, this, in these verses, spoken through the prophet Joel, talks about in the last days that God's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Well, we've heard from this pulpit, we've heard from pulpits of solid Bible teachers throughout the world that many people believe this is the last days. Do we see evidence of God pouring out His Spirit throughout the world? Do you know of evidence that's going on just in your own lives or people's lives that you know of God pouring out His Spirit? I think of some of the stories we hear in the Middle East over in Iran where the Gospel cannot be preached but yet there's dreams and visions where Jesus is speaking to the Muslims and people are coming to Christ. I believe that this is part of that fulfillment of what God is talking about. And there's things going on that we don't even know about. But let's think of things in our own lives. Can you think of something that's been happening in your life or has happened in your life where you can say, oh man, I know that was God's Holy Spirit happening in my life. I was thinking one time, Ashley, Marie, and I were on vacation. We were in Hawaii. We never surfed. We've lived on the shore all our life, and we never surfed. We rode the waves in, but we never went on a board. So we said, when we go to Hawaii, we're going to go. We're going to go surfing. So what we did is we looked up different companies that gave surf lessons. And we saw one company had a fish, you know, the Christian fish. So we called up, and we made an appointment. 
and we went to the North Shore on Oahu and we waited for the instructor to come. And we didn't know who it was. We know it was uh, owned by a Christian woman, but we didn't know if we would get her or one of her staff. So this guy came. His name was Grady. And uh, the waves were really flat that day. And you have to pay a pretty good chunk for like an hour surf lesson in Hawaii. So we paid the money up front. We went out. And the waves were really bad. So Grady said, hey, listen, why don't you... Um, I'm sorry, let me backtrack real quick. Uh, Grady came and it was flat. He said, why don't we come back tomorrow? And we got to talk a little bit. And we found out that they had prostate cancer. And he had just found out and he was going to go for treatment and the whole thing. So before we left that day, we said, hey, Grady, do you mind if we pray with you? So he said, no, not at all. So we prayed for him. The next day, waves were better. We went surfing. And we're in the water. He, kept, he gave us like an extra hour, you know, so uh, for the same price. So afterwards, what was cool, he goes, why don't you guys come up with me to my home on the North Shore? We'll have a lunch and the whole thing. So we do. And we ended up having an opportunity to share Jesus with him. And over the next couple of years, uh, we, we stayed in touch maybe once a month, once every couple of months. Well, his cancer got worse. It started getting into his bones. The last time I talked to Grady, um, he sounded terrible. And this is like two or three years after uh, the first um, surfing lesson. And uh, he said, Van, I'm really hurting. He goes, my leg just broke. I didn't even do anything. It just broke. And uh, we talked. You know, we prayed. And uh, about a week later, his uncle called, and he had passed away. But we had an opportunity to share with him, you know. Now, that was the Holy Spirit. Of all the companies, right, of all the companies, it was a Christian company. Uh, he was from a Roman Catholic background. But we had gotten something from a Daily Bread article that had a surfer and how they tie in the object lesson with the surfer. And he goes, oh, man, I've never seen anything like this. This is so cool. And like I said, over the next couple of years, we've seen growth in him. And another friend of his was a born-again Christian. Spent a couple of weeks with So the Lord just kept working on this uh, man's life. And we believe one day we're going to see Grady in heaven again. But that's the Holy Spirit. That's how he works. Try to be more aware of the Spirit's working in your life on a daily basis. You know, he comes alongside of you to comfort you, to help you, but also to build you up. In your walk with Jesus. Okay, let's keep going in chapter 2. If you go to verse 33 of chapter 2. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. Remember, Jesus promised you the Holy Spirit. You received the Holy Spirit when you asked Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. But there is a filling and outpouring of the Spirit for different works of service that you go through. And I'm going to show you a little object lesson that um, I brought up here, but we'll do that a little later. Verse 38, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice, that there's an order. There's a repentance. There's a turning from your lifestyle, which most of us have done. We've turned from the sin nature lifestyle. 
We're no longer being shaped into the world's image. We've turned. We've done an about face. And we're following Jesus Christ. And who is leading us towards Christ every day? It's His Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit directing us in the right way. When we start getting off the path, who gets us back on, who convicts us, who makes us feel guilty or bad? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. Now remember, if you feel guilty and it's keeping you from Christ, it's not the Holy Spirit. If you feel guilty and it's drawing you to Jesus Christ, that's the Holy Spirit. The other one is the anti-spirit, anti-Christ. It's the demons and all those bums that are on the other side who are trying to get us away. So if it's leading you to Christ, it's the Holy Spirit. And you repent, and then every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive, now notice, it's a gift. It's a free gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Isn't it awesome to know you're called? Isn't it awesome to know that you have the Holy Spirit as a result of Jesus' promise to you? But are we aware of the availability of His Holy Spirit in our lives all the time? You know, when we need Him real bad, we're just going through a normal day, that the Holy Spirit is available to build us up and empower us for the works of service that God is teaching us, that He's given us as we hear His Word, as we read His Word, as we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's all one. It's a unit. The triune nature of God. And it's to your children and to all who are afar off. We were those afar off people. Think about it. We were way not only afar off in miles, but afar off in years. But yet the same Holy Spirit who was sent here by the Father and the Son is still here today. Still here. Still working. Still using people. Still empowering us to do the works of service. Let's go over to chapter 4, verse 8. And it's, God gives us water. You know, you get thirsty and you drink it. You drink the water to fill you. It helps your thirst. It keeps you hydrated. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is given the picture in the Scriptures of water being filled with the Spirit. You can associate with it. You know what I mean? You can associate what God wants to do supernaturally to you because you think of water, how it refreshes how it cleanses, how it makes you feel revived. Well, the Holy Spirit does the same thing. And it's so neat how God works and gives us that empowerment. Verse 8 in chapter 4 says, And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and he goes on to speak. But notice, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And this was a special filling while he was speaking to the elders of Israel. Doesn't mean Peter did not have the Holy Spirit already, but there was a filling for this particular work of service that was going on. Okay, chapter 5. 
chapter 5, verse 3. Now again, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force because look what's happening here in verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You can't lie to an impersonal force, can you? You can only lie to a person. And here we see Peter saying, you know, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? And then in verse 4, while it remained, was it not your own? And after what it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. So in verse 3, we see lying to the Holy Spirit, but then he brings it right back that the Holy Spirit is God in verse 4. Verse 9, Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? And that was, this is in reference to Nias' wife. And here you can test the Spirit. You can lie to the Spirit. You can test the Spirit. There's other scriptures where you can grieve the Spirit. Okay? You can't grieve an impersonal force. You can't lie to an impersonal force. Chapter 6, verse 8. When you think of it, this is the Acts of the Apostles, but it could be titled the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's throughout the book of Acts. In verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Syrians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. So here were some enemies of Stephen, who was a man of God. From different regions, they were attacking him. But notice in verse 10, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. And notice now it's the capital S. That's the Holy Spirit. If you and I are walking in the spirit, regardless of the obstacles or the enemies of the cross in our way, if we're where God wants us to be, no one can resist the wisdom and the spirit by which we're speaking. Remember, it's not by our might. It's not by our, our power. It's by His Spirit that we're empowered. Okay, let's hop over to chapters, still, yeah, chapter 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. That's one place you and I do not want to be. Resisting the Holy Spirit. But I know throughout my life, even as a Christian, I've been stubborn. I've been stiff-necked. I've resisted the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that is sin. Sin that needs to be confessed, repented of. Then there is a restoration and the Holy Spirit fills you again for the works of His service. But understand, are we in tune with God's Spirit? Are we hearing what He is saying in the name of Jesus? 
And that really goes with how much you're spending time with Him. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The Holy Spirit and your time spent in God's Word is evidence of how the Spirit is leading you. It goes together. So I just want to encourage you. The Lord's will for you and I is to keep reading His Word, keep eating and drinking it in, in a um, supernatural way. God is always renewing, always filling, always uh, strengthening, and getting us ready for what's coming. Remember the um, verse I read in 1 Corinthians 2. It says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except a man's spirit within him? You can relate to that. You know what thoughts you have. You don't share them with anybody else, but you know what's going on inside you. Those things that are going on. Well, how much more? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So God reveals to you His thoughts in His time through His Holy Spirit. Now, if this is the last days and God wants everyone to be saved, what is He going to let us know about things coming down the pike, coming down on us, that we need to know to reach our neighbors, our uh, workers that we work with, our children, our family members, we're total strangers. He's going to do a work in you that's going to be different. And you're saying, oh my goodness, I see how the Lord is really pumping me up for these works of service. Something's coming. So be in tune because He wants to speak. And remember, there's going to be a great falling away. That should be a concern to every single one of us in here. There's going to be a falling away of people of faith. How can that happen? How? How can people of faith be deceived? Well, I believe it's because they're not walking. It's like how much of the Holy Spirit has you? Just a little bit or a lot? How much are you um, submitting yourself to Him? We wanted that total submersion. You know, Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Now, let's talk about pickles. Let's just talk about pickles for a minute or two. Okay? If I take a cucumber and, and you know, just think of that pickle you've had that's so awesome. You know, that it just tastes so good. There's the right amount of all the seasonings, the garlic, it's just good. I don't know if there's any pickle places around tonight, but we've got to find one. So anyway, so you take a cucumber... And yet, just dip it in that and you bite into it. Well, you get that first taste of the pickle juice, but it's just on the surface. It's just, it's quick. You know, it's like a cotton candy taste and then it's gone. But for a pickle, it's in the juice and it's pickled. It's left in there for a period of time. And what's happening? All that good juice, all those good seasonings are just going through the pores of the pickle and they're covering all the white stuff inside, all the meat inside, and it's, it's covered. It's like a sponge in there soaking it all up. So now when you eat the pickle, oh, that's awesome. And you keep eating it. Nice and cold. It tastes good. Right? It's a good one. This is a good pickle. Well, 
Jesus wants you and I to be pickled in his Holy Spirit. That his Holy Spirit, his nature is within every part of us. It's just not on the surface. But no matter where, how deep we're penetrated, that there he is in every aspect. You know, we don't want to have any closets. We want every closet cleaned and pickled with His Holy Spirit. Let's turn to verse 55 in chapter 7. But He, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now this is when Stephen was being stoned by the leaders because of his faith in Jesus Christ. He's being stoned. Rocks are hitting him in his face, on his body. He's being pummeled by these stones. But notice what stands out in the verse about Stephen's, Stephen being martyred. But he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven. Gaze into heaven. Go ahead. Just gaze into him. Right now. Just gaze into heaven. Nothing's happening right now. I mean, we're just looking up at the ceiling. But notice, he gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Most of the time, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's up. He's ready to receive his child. Stephen sees him while rocks are hitting him in the face. What does the world see? Rocks hit him in the face. Hatred, anger. What does Stephen see? Jesus, ready to receive him. You think he's feeling that? I always think of the man who's a born-again believer. I believe he used to go to Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge. Was in above that plane in the, one of the um, trade centers. He was above. He was over past the 100th floor. He knew he wasn't going to get down. He used that time. The Holy Spirit enabled him, empowered him to have a captive audience and witness to them before the tower collapsed. How awesome is our God? The terrorist and Satan meant it for evil. God turned it into good. People came into the kingdom right on death's door. That's our God. When all hope is gone, people are coming into the kingdom. Stephen is standing and just seeing, or Jesus is standing, seeing Stephen down there. Stephen looks up. He's not like this. She himself to the rocks. He's looking up. You know when you look up, you can get hit with another rock. But rocks weren't important because he saw the rock of ages. Made these rocks look like little cotton candy balls. Awesome. Powerful. That's our God. Verse uh, chapter 8, verse 15. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Notice, you can pray for others to receive the Holy Spirit. Do we do that? Do we pray for salvation and when they're saved? Do we pray that they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, that they're empowered? That they're not just saved, but they're empowered to do things that God has for them to do. 
for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So notice there was a laying on of hands in this case where they received the Holy Spirit. There was also a praying where they received the Holy Spirit. And notice this guy Simon in verse 18. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me the power also so that anyone who I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter says to him, Simple Simon, your money... Let it perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Simon, you can't buy this. It's a gift. You receive it. It's not something that you buy. A couple more verses before we wrap up. Verse 29 in chapter 8. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. Now notice the Spirit tells us where to go, what to do. Now, it might have been, if you just look at it on the surface, unless Philip was a tremendous sprinter at a lot of speed, how's he going to overtake the chariot? But the Spirit said, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip, by faith, just like when Pete stepped out of the boat onto the water. Step of faith. Remember, there were also other people with Jesus. They were in the boat. They were still in the boat when Peter had the thrill of walking on the water. They were also in the boat when Peter started looking at all the elements that were going on around and the waves and the lightning and started sinking. And they were probably saying, oh boy, I'm glad I'm not out there. Look at Peter, he's sinking. But then Peter had the thrill of Jesus, looking up to Jesus, help. Jesus pulled him right back up. He's on the water again. And here we have Philip taking that step of faith. Verse 30, so Philip ran to him. He ran to him. He overtook the chariot. That's awesome. That's so neat. And he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? Now jump down to verse 39 of the same chapter, and it says, Now when they came up out of the water, and this is after Philip baptized the eunuch, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. The Holy Spirit took Philip right out of there. Bang! Star Trek, transport, out of here, to another place where God needed Philip to be. You see, we're in a place right now that God wants us to be. It might not be here forever. He might whisk you away to another place. But are we hearing where God wants us to be? Are we in tune with His Spirit that we're right where He wants us to be? Spirit comes alongside a person. It's all, all people all around. This is all people. 
the Holy Spirit comes alongside the person. So let's just pretend this is the Holy Spirit. Comes alongside the person. Okay? They hear about Jesus Christ. They don't receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Time goes by, they go someplace else. The Holy Spirit comes alongside the person. Maybe this happens a few times. We don't know the timing of the Lord. But then the scales fall from the person's eyes. And they understand that they're a sinner. That they need a Savior. And they repent. They understand that Jesus went to the cross to shed his blood for them. That Jesus took their punishment upon himself. So they asked Jesus to come into their lives to be their Lord and Savior. So now there's a filling. Okay, there's a filling of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Person starts reading and praying, fellowship. There's um, there's a call in the announcements. We need ushers. We need people for the children's ministry. We need servants who want to help out at church. And you're nervous. You don't know if God can use you. So you pray, but then you take a step of faith. And then what happens is God fills you with more of his spirit to overflowing. And now notice you start spilling over into the people around you, touching their lives. And then this continues in your walk. And you keep growing. Think about where you are today compared to where you were a year ago. Hopefully you know you've grown. You can see the growth. You can see how God has been blessing you. And then you've done the handed out the bulletins or something. God gives you another challenge. Something bigger. Because he's seen that you were faithful in a little thing. So you pray, Dear Lord, I don't know if I should do this, but give me the chance. I'm going to go out and try it. So then what happens? He fills you. And he never runs out. In other words, the Holy Spirit never runs out. He's God. He can always empower you to what has to be done. The world sees a one-time thing. What we see is God, just every time we ask him to fill us, he keeps filling us to overflowing every time. Just keeps filling us up over and over and over again. And you know what? Till the day we meet him face to face, we just have to call him, Lord, just empower me to uh, go and talk to that person or pray to him or uh, give that person a track. And guess what he does? He pours out his Holy Spirit because he loves to do that. He just keeps doing it. So if you're here tonight and you don't feel you have that power or you feel like sort of like a dud Christian, just ask the Lord to fill you with this Holy Spirit. Because you know what? He loves to give you the joy of knowing He's always there for you and He's always there for me. Let's pray.
Father, thanks for uh, your word. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit.